Hi marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Maverick Show. My name is Chris. Hi, I'm Asim. And uh, our guest today is uh, Nelson Jordan, who is a um, conversion copywriter and growth marketer who has um, extensive experience in digital marketing, especially with uh, content writing and paid media like PPC campaigns. Um, and he's also a CXL certified optimizer from the Conversion XL CXL Institute. So there's um, a lot of um, things that resonate with us. And also, like I'm sure with Wasim, you as a... Um, uh, conversion marketer and uh, being very interested in copywriting. So, and we want to basically talk mainly about conversion copy today, about copywriting, what we can learn, and because it's such a complicated field from the outside, um, and it's something that really requires some experience and studying it. So, that's mainly what um, we're going to speak about. So, yeah, firstly, welcome, um, welcome, Nelson. Thank you for having me, guys. Okay. So, firstly, um, why don't you just give a brief uh, intro about your story and um, how you got to the point of doing conversion copywriting. Sure. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the short version because I don't want to uh, to, to bore anyone. But uh, originally, I uh, wanted to become a marketer. So I got a, my master's in marketing from, from Oxford Brooks. That's uh, probably about 10 years ago now, I think. Um, I started working within social media, first organic, because at that time, organic social media was still a thing. Um, and then obviously quickly moved to paid and started managing um, paid campaigns. From there, it was kind of a step for me once I was managing um, paid campaigns to manage paid campaigns on other channels. So I, I started up picking up um, PPC projects, um, learning the ropes there. And then because I then kind of identified as a, a search marketer, or I took on the SEO role. Um, and before long, I kind of had people approaching me uh, for, for various things. And then I really, really liked conversion rate optimization because so often um, clients were coming to me for a particular project and there were things that were probably considered outside of my traditional remit um, that actually I thought could make a big, big difference to the company and framing myself as a conversion rate optimization marketer, as opposed to all of the others really gave me, uh, kind of the opportunity to say, hang on, I don't want to be part of this box. Um, there's something that can help you that's there, even if it's not within what you call like a traditional role. Um, and that's kind of how copywriting came about as well because I could see all of these elements that were making a huge difference or had the potential to make a huge difference to companies, but just weren't being addressed. So a lot of the times, say for example, somebody was um, approaching me for a PPC campaign, they would say something like, okay, well, we've got this product or this service, this is our budget, this is what we want to do and go you know, and that, that would kind of be their brief quite often. And they would give me this landing page that they'd want to, they'd want to use. And pretty quickly, I could see like very, very big problems with these landing pages. Um, you know, the, the, the copy wasn't right. The formatting wasn't right. The, the logic and the order of the statements wasn't right. Um, and I thought, hang on, I can make improvements here. So even back when I was doing PPC, I was doing elements of copywriting, not necessarily writing it myself, but kind of telling people the elements that they were missing. 
Um, so gradually, I just found that quite a nice transition for me. Personally, um, I find that copywriting gives me more um, scope, I suppose, to be creative than a lot of the other disciplines did. Um, so for example, like with paid traffic campaigns, I was obviously involved both from a tactical and a strategic level. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the strategic level. I didn't enjoy the tactical level very much, but it's very, very important to know um, because that's how you get good at strategy by actually being down in the trenches and trying these things. Gradually, I just found that I wasn't getting that kind of feeling of, uh, of creating something that I, that is just really, really important to me on a personal level. And copywriting does that in spades. That's very good. I think that resonates so much with my own story because I too didn't want to box myself, uh, focusing on all the other people with focusing on, let's say just web design. So I've, I, I really wanted to niche out by focusing on conversions because at the end of the day, that's what actually drives the business. Um, whether the page looks like really beautiful and it doesn't perform, won't actually mean anything to the business unless they get rewards out of it. So I think that's that's really interesting. And And how did you start in terms of your own copywriting journey? What was your kind of inspiration? Um, did you follow anyone in particular? What was your growth or your learning process? Sure. So it took kind of a period of realization for me that in some ways I've always been a copywriter, but until recently I've never called myself a copywriter because copywriting was and always has been kind of part of my roles, but it's always been, so for example, when I was a social media marketer, I was always the one writing the ads, um, but I wouldn't have called myself an ad writer. I, I was calling myself a social media marketer. And the same when it came to SEO, you know, I was, um, I, I've never been involved in technical SEO. I've always been involved in the keyword research and then the content creation production side. Um, so writing was always involved and it was kind of just a mindset shift for me to call myself a copywriter and to have that be my main focus as opposed to kind of a part of the role, but not the whole role. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, for me, the, the people that I followed, um, that, that kind of got me involved in this journey are people like Jacob McMillan, um, people like copy hackers. So you have Joanna yep. Weeb, um, Anne Handley, those sorts of people. Yeah. Um, Tyler Koenig. Um, yeah, so those sort of people, there's a ton of resources out there. Um, if you want to become a copywriter these days, you're in even much better a position than you would have been five years ago. Um, and gradually copywriting um, is is getting kind of its, its dues finally. Um, within kind of the rest of marketing, you have people like um, Pep Laha, who is the um, owner and founder of CXL. He's created a new tool and a new business called Copy Testing. Um, that's copytesting.com if you're interested. Um, and it's really great to see important, influential marketers like him also saying, well, if you're doing this, this, and this, that's fine. You're never going to get anywhere without the copy. And, and Copy plays lots of different roles, different parts of, in of marketing, different parts of the funnel. And for me, I feel very fortunate that I am a copywriter 
after being kind of a, a digital marketer in all of these, because I know how copy fits in different places and the different roles that it should play. And that's one of the differentiators I use between myself and other copywriters who may have only ever been a copywriter, for example. That's kind of the value that I bring. Um, but yeah, that, that journey was initially, as I said, a mindset shift for me, seeking out those resources, learning kind of the basic frameworks, um, because you need to know the rules before you can break the rules. Um, and then kind of developing my own frameworks, whether that was frameworks for research, whether that was frameworks for the actual writing. I mean, just so uh, a bit of background for, for your listeners, the types of writing that I do is what you probably consider full funnel. Um, so I do everything from um, the initial ads to the creation of lead magnets to landing pages, optimize, uh, opt-in pages, sales pages, and then all the follow-up emails and whether that's one-off newsletters or email automations. That's because I enjoy variety more than anything but because I'm also very, very well placed to talk about the strategy and how to get, you know, somebody from never having heard of you all the way to uh, like a raving customer and all the steps in between. And, and that's where I can lend the most value. So that's where I operate. Okay, great. Interesting approach. Um, what would you say when you take on a new client? What is the number one thing you see that they're doing wrong in terms of their copywriting approach or yeah, in terms of that whole area of, of content? I mean, there's obviously it depends is, is the short answer, but the, the number one thing that I see is people talking about features rather than benefits. Um, when you're writing your own copy and you're not a trained copywriter, the instinct is to talk about yourself. Of course it is, you know, whether that's your company, your services, your story, your products, um, that's not what sells, you know? Like if you, if you actually want to sell things, you need to tell people the benefits that they're going to get and you need to show them the benefits that they're going to get. So these are where all the famous and, and most used copywriting frameworks come, come into play because they're not focused on you. They're not internally focused. They're externally focused. They're, they're talking about the gap between where somebody is now and where they can be And guess what? Your product and service is the, is the thing that bridges that gap. Like that's the number one thing. Great. I just want to add one more thing there. Like um, this very uh, good way of, of like looking at it, you know, showing them how, how the product fixes it. I, one more thing I wanted to add is like, if you look at the whole market, how, how good do you think the standard is of websites? Maybe you can differentiate between industries of their content writing online these days. How good is the standard out there? It's, it's definitely better than it was. Um, the pro uh, proliferation of better copywriters and copywriters getting their due means that companies are more actively seeking people like me out, which is, is great from a personal level. It's great from an industry level. Um, it, it very much depends um, with, with this. It's, it doesn't even like just depend on industry. It depends on size. It depends on who started this company. It depends on what kind of marketing channels they're using, how important inbound versus outbound is. Um, what I would say though, is typically um, B2B companies normally fall into that trap of, of talking about features over benefits more than, uh, more than kind of 
uh, those that sell direct to customers. And, and that's a gross generalization, of course, um, but that's typically what I see. Uh, that's pretty cool. I think what you mentioned about um, this kind of epiphany bridge where you take somebody from um, uh, from one place to other place by explaining your product um, in, a, in, a, in a more beneficial way to the customer is something which I, I know Chris and I talk about so many times and so much. Um, and I still find it hard, especially when creating a landing page. For example, um, if a client comes to you would you tell them first build a wireframe or would you tell them let me write the copy first and then you know adjust the wireframe based on that yeah 100 percent copy first okay um just the, there's there's been a couple of times where i haven't been able to follow that process just because the client has been quite rigorous about well we've already paid for this design what we want you to do is to find the copy that that fits that it's um I would advise any marketers, business owners, anybody that's listening, always go copy first, never go design first. Like it just makes so much more sense doing it this way around. Like why would you choose almost like the medium to convey your message before you've decided on what your message is? Like it makes no sense. So that's, that's kind of the simple answer there in terms of like when designing landing pages, um, I've, obviously most of the my work is done before the writing stage which sounds really really weird considering like my job has the word writer in um but actually if you do your job well as a copywriter you've the research phase covers 60 to 70 percent of all the words that you're actually going to use you know so it's the customer research it's um, looking at tone of voice, it's looking at reviews, it's conducting these surveys, it's doing all of this work, you know, beforehand to make sure you really, really understand your prospects, pain points, where they are in their life, the language that they're using, you know, yeah. their, their desires, um, that, you know, their, their stages of awareness and stages of sophistication. That's where the work is. Like the actual writing, um, you know, if you do your work well, you, you, you already know what you're going to do. Like nobody should start writing a landing page with, with just a blank page, you know? You should have all this research ready to go and then have a framework that's tried and tested in terms of how you're structuring that. And that depends on the industry, that depends on the service, that depends on the length, uh, length of the landing page that there's been looked for. Typically I do, like most people ask for two different lengths. So mm. when I work with clients, I give them something to test against. So typically like my short landing pages will be between 800 and 1500 words, but I write landing pages that are, are basically different versions of kind of sales letters, I suppose that go, go all the way up to four and a half thousand, five thousand words when you're, when you're selling things like a 7K or 10K membership or something like that. Okay. Um, when you look at different uh, cultures, let's say US versus UK, is there any difference in terms of how you approach your content writing and certain, like certain styles you found that work better in those markets? Uh, I would say US typically tends to be um, more informal. There's obviously the, the basics difference in grammar and spelling and 
um, culture and like word word choice, I suppose, and phrase choice. Um, for me, it's I'm in a bit of a strange position where the majority of my clients are based in the US anyway. Um, and that just seems to be the way my career has developed. I think that's partially because of the budgets that are available. Um, everybody just seems to play bigger on the other side of the pond um, in, terms, in terms of budgets. Um, I might find that I'd struggle to get something signed off at a certain price in the UK, but I can go to the US and, and, and charge 50% more and get it signed off instantly. Um, and that might be just my experience, but no, that resonates so much because I can see Chris is smiling, and I have the exact same conversations with him about US versus UK. Um, it would take me, for example, weeks to get a sign off or even to get some kind of paperwork done. Whereas American clients would say, "Let's do it." You know, I recently had a client who said on a landing page, "This looks too Americanized because it's in your face," and I was like, oh, "Let's." tone it down i'm like but you want to sell your product why do we have to not you know be shy about it 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 depends on where they're selling yeah. um so it's not really about where the the company is based it's where their customers are based that's the big thing i'm just kind of talking from a personal financial level for me like there's a reason that most of my clients i i'd actually say like my my number one is the u.s my number two isn't even the UK, it's Australia. And my number three is the UK. Yeah, 100%. Same. Um, but like from a, from a sign-off point, the worst I've had is Germany um, in terms of like <laughs> the just um, amount of paperwork and the due diligence that's conducted from their side before they, before they hire any, anyone. I've worked with um, companies that are headquartered in the UK, like big multinationals that, uh, sorry, I said UK there, I meant Germany, uh, headquartered in Germany. And they won't even have, be allowed to run Google Analytics on their website um, because of all the, the data restrictions and the things like that that are in place. Um, and so as a copywriter who very much likes to go in and see the impact that my copy has made, it's it's not ideal. Last time, Chris was asking me the question, who are these people who don't even have Google Analytics? Now we know who these are. <laughs> They're in Germany. <laughs> you, you would genuinely be surprised because obviously small businesses are able to implement these things really, really easily. And obviously it's not a custom solution. It's just out of the box, but that's, that's obviously better than nothing. Um, but yeah, these companies that are headquartered in certain places have different data restrictions that they have to adhere to. So, yeah, I can see that, you know, I don't know whether, whether we talked about it, but I'm from Germany myself. And, uh, and, um, I think obviously it's, it's certain restrictions, regulations in place, but it's more also the mentality of people that, that holds them back. So I think that definitely comes into play with Germany and I can see that exactly. Um, now coming back to, yeah. To, to just jump in there and uh, just talk about kind of the the Americans because I kind of got sidetracked with my Germany story there. Apologies, um, but the the mentality and the culture of both the the audience but also the the company owners and and the directors of marketing or, or whoever you're interacting with is so so important to the copywriting process and um, on a personal level from a financial basis. Um, 
they seem far less constricted in the US if you are able to show the value that um, you're going to be able to bring. They seem happier to be able to pay a higher, higher amount that is based on value. In the UK, people seem more so um, than the US anyway on a relative sliding scale. They're more tied to how long are you spending on creating this? Will you should charge us based on that? So say, for example, I get asked a lot, what is your day rate? Uh, and like, because I work in, in, in US, my day rate is about $500. But then they want to know how much you accomplish for that day. Whereas with the US, they're far happier with me to say, this is the price for the project. Like they don't care whether it takes me half an hour, two hours, three days to do this. They're more happy to be like, okay, that's the price of the project or this is the value that we'll, we'll get from that. Especially with things like landing pages, it's really, really easy to calculate because I can go, what's your current landing page conversion, uh, conversion rate? What's your average order value? okay, how much traffic are you getting? Do a little calculation and say on average, well, my conversion, uh, your conversions will raise by X amount. You'll learn this much through my work. I'm going to charge you that much to do it. Yes, exactly. Uh, we have had the exact same experience with people just being more willing and more quick to make decisions. That's the main learning I also had with selling digital marketing services. So definitely I see that. Um, so with regards to copy, do you think there are any words that specifically sell? Do you have any words on your mind that, that in copy make a good difference? No. Nope. <laughs> good answer. It's <laughs> an easy one. So um, it's... The words that you use are going to be totally dependent on brand tone of voice and more importantly than that, the, the words that the customer uses. The most important thing isn't necessarily the words to use, which again sounds crazy coming out of a copywriter's mouth. Um, it's understanding where somebody is in the buying cycle, what's going on in their life um, that has brought them to this point and what you should do. So that's kind of what you should be thinking about as, as opposed to any particular, particular words. I mean, thinking about words in that way, in this kind of singular, okay, what word sells is very much like kind of a tactical mindset, I suppose. Whereas you need to be more strategic, I suppose, about, okay, where is somebody right now? Where do we want them to get? What is the action that we need to get them to take? or that they need to complete? What is the message we need to do? Uh, we need to say, we need to put in front of them. What medium is that to get them from point A to point B? I think Chris was looking for a lazy man's guide to copywriting. No, no, I can tell you. I can tell you, no, I was reminded by your book, Vaseem. I know, I have a book which says words that sell, but I, I hide it. I don't actually use it. And actually, the um, our name of the show, Marketing Maverick Show, is a result of that book because we found that book like that word in that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do get obviously like um, a brain block and you, you want to know what relevant words are there for the same word. I think it's good for that, but obviously uh, for using it for copywriting, that's, that's, that's a different, yeah. different ballgame. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. The, there are right words and wrong words to use in particular situations. And there are words that are pretty good and words that make a big difference. That's the whole reason that um, 
Pep's tool I was talking about before, copy testing. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of why it, why it exists. So you can try out these different messaging, these different USPs. Yeah, I yeah. just don't want people to get into the same mindset that people used to have about five five years ago, probably with CRO, which was let's just test things like button color. You know, and there was this whole thing where people would just make very, very minor changes to try and eke out like small, small conversion wins, right? Small increases. And that is totally, totally the wrong mindset to approach CRO with. You sh- there are way, way more important things to, to test. Um, and, and a lot of those are involved uh, around messaging and design. Um, with the two key things there and I just don't want to give people the idea that you know they should spend all of their time testing this word versus this word you know you should spend that time researching your customers getting to know them and then getting the feedback from them so in your in your kind of framework do you have certain like copywriting styles for certain campaigns for example let's say you have a free consultation would you still use free consultation or would you change it to, you know, have a free consult or free strategy call or free strategy session? Um, do you have that or is that, again, loosely, uh, it's loose and it's dep- it depends on the campaign and the brand? Yeah, it very much de- depends. And, and, and again, I don't want to get too much into the, into the weeds with that sort of thing. The yeah. answer is it might make a small difference, but a lot of the time it won't make a a big difference like the individual words it's what have you done leading up to that point to kind of reassure the customer that you're the best person to solve their problem um and and the best way to do that is by being able to outline their problem better than your competitors Mm -hmm. um that's you know and there's there's all these other things like uh, about authority and about social proof and about you know, where to place calls to action and what you're actually shooting for as the objective on that page. They're kind of the most important things. It's not so much about like, should we tweak this word or this word? Like if you're asking those sort of things, then it's probably a case that you need to look at the copywriting process from from kind of a bird's eye view, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, so I understand it's probably very hard to to make any rule in that sort of sense with, with words, but what would you say about the you know, the hero section of a landing page, like the top section where you have typically like a headline. Is there any rule in your view or any best practice on how long this sentence should be? So it depends on the, the type of page that you're doing. And I wouldn't say there's a concrete rule. I'd say that you should come up with a few different ideas and a few different angles and then test them. Um, and, and that's how I operate. And you'd be at like, I'm kind of a seasoned digital marketer and I still I'm probably better at picking if I come up with two versions I can probably pick the winner maybe 60% of the time and that's terrible like that's Mm. slightly that's slightly better than chance and I'm talking about two two headlines that I write you know I'm not talking about kind of the original control versus what I'm doing. I'm obviously far more confident that my version will beat that because there's the reason that I'm stepping in. But when I'm writing two headlines, yeah, I can probably pick slightly, slightly better than kind of a monkey with two buttons. <laughs> um, so like I'm probably only slightly over the 50%, but it's picking up on 
the the brand tone of voice will give you some indication of length. Um, like I find things like um, industries like SaaS, for example, just to to kind of speak to you a little bit, we're seeing with your with your background. Um, they tend to go shorter and snappier. Um, whereas if you go to an industry, maybe like personal coaching or memberships or something that's very kind of um, uh, individual, as in personality led by a founder, you can, you can go longer. Um, and that's kind of more in line with expectations. Yeah, I think that's right, because you have to understand the intent of the person who's coming from an ad or from whatever source and then tie that intent with the level of copy whether it's emotional whether it's logical whether you have to focus on let's say urgency i completely understand that i think i can see there's a obviously there's a glaring difference between what you're saying and what's out there on the internet and I blame HubSpot, HubSpot for that because they always end up writing a blog post about every little thing. Test this, test that, do this, do that. I think there's so much information out there. How do you distill this? Because if somebody's like learning copywriting, they would get hammered by HubSpot and Neil Patel. How would you know? Because they're coming, obviously they're coming from their own perspective, which is testing with B2B or testing what they have done and they've done they've like on a different level but if you are applying these things on your accounts they won't necessarily drive those results so how how does a fresh new copywriter start so i would start by studying best practice of and and i don't mean best practice that hubspot tells you i don't mean best practice that neil patel tells you i mean to be fair to HubSpot, they do get some good guest writers who do know their stuff, but it's quite difficult to understand who does and who doesn't. Um, but I'm talking about like copywriters. So Copy Hackers is probably the most well-known um, website and, and resource, and it is just full of really good stuff. But understanding the basic, um, the basic kind of frameworks, copy frameworks that are in place, so whether that's ADA or PAS or whatever you want want to use. Personally, I kind of use a variation of those that that I feel most comfortable with, and it will depend on what kind of medium. But understanding those kind of um, frameworks is is kind of the best way. You don't want to um, get into these tactical things. Yeah. Okay. So the the best advice that I could give like any marketer, not just a copywriter, is focus most of your time on understanding your customers. If you understand your customers better than the other people, you will be a better marketer than, than the other company. It's just a fact. Like you will have so much more information to, to use. It's like you, the other guy has like a water gun and you're standing there with like a bazooka, right? You've just got all of this information at your disposal in your arsenal. You, you will just be in a much better place to do it. If you combine that with the frameworks, that will give you kind of the basics. And, and from there, then it's about kind of implementing those tactical things about, okay, you know, before I started by just identifying the problem on this landing page, what would happen if I put a headline and a paragraph before that talking about their ideal day, for example, like, 
looking to the future as if their problem had already been solved before pulling them back. And that's where you kind of try out different things once you've got the basics. The moment you said bazooka, I can see Chris was smiling and he wanted to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> One day I'll, I'll, I'll get him to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that was a very good explanation of um, these analogies and so on. Um, I wanted to come to this um, course or this uh, certification you um, did with CXL, CXL Institute. Um, what exactly was it about and, and how did it help you? Right. So CXL are an incredible digital marketing provider. Um, they pride themselves on putting out really in-depth, very detailed um, content. Um, and, and their courses are all run by people who are just very, very well known in their field, very highly respected. Um, so I don't want to sound like an advert for them. I'm certainly not being paid by them. Um, but the, the, the level of the quality of their courses is, is probably second to none. Um, so they have different things. They have courses that are on a particular subject, but then they have more comprehensive mini degrees, they call them. Um, and they have mini degrees on, on like growth marketing, I think, um, like conversion rate optimization, yeah. which is obviously the one that I've taken. I've taken several of the, the courses as well. But I mean, at least when I took it, and this is, we're talking several years ago now, the, the CRO mini degree was about 160 hours of work um, in terms of just going through the recordings and the documents that they prepared. So very, very comprehensive. And it's basically takes you from not knowing anything um, about that to, to being kind of considered some, some of the top level because it is so comprehensive. It does focus on repeatable frameworks that you can use to get results. Um, and it's just incredibly well, well respected. So I wanted to take that because when I was working in an agency uh, in Birmingham, I was the only person that was interested in that. And I f feel for lots of people, if they don't have a mentor, if they don't have a team who already do that sort of thing, it's very, very hard to know where to even start. Um, and for me, that, that gave me kind of everything I need to, to get off the ground to actually start running these sort of things for clients um, and just feeling more confident. And um, because of what I did through that course, I worked with um, a, a retailer, a B2B and B2C uh, retailer who's both online and offline. Offline, they make um, a ton of money. Online, they still do well or, you know, we're doing well. They were making six figures a year um, online. So through the project, I worked with them. I worked with them for six months. Within six months, we'd increased their revenue by 242%. Um, just didn't make any change to their paid traffic whatsoever, just through um, conversion rate optimization by looking at things like layout, looking at the language. And this is where kind of the copywriting comes in. Um, looking at all the different things uh, about user experience. Um, and that kind of 
the CXL uh, certification gave me the confidence more than anything else, because I did know a lot of this stuff before. I wasn't coming at it cold, um, but it gave me the reassurance that I was doing the right things. I did have this framework to kind of tried and tested framework to rely on. Um, and yeah, we put, put them on track for their first ever seven figure year, seven figure year. Um, 242% increase in revenue, massive spikes in conversion rate. Um, all the metrics improved, like improvements in average order value, uh, as, as well as frequency and things like that. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of um, benefits that these courses can provide you. Like they, they tell you how to do it, the good ones do anyway. And they give you the confidence that you can do it. So it's that kind of joint thing. Yeah, that's that's very, very powerful because the moment you realize you can actually increase conversion um, by just changing few few things, it's like what I call is low-hanging fruit. And if you can make these adjustments by using either words or changing tiny bits of layout, then seeing that, like seeing how that impacts growth would be an amazing feeling, to be honest. Um, but this, this, this is one thing which I kind of um, struggle with, which is there's too much information as well. How do you distill it? Because even with CXL, I've got a CXL um, subscription, and sometimes I feel there's so much out there which I want to learn, but at the same time, I have to discipline myself and use the CXL library as almost like a physical library where if you're, let's say, in a topic or you're doing something and you're stuck, you go to that library, a section and you pull out a resource, learn it, read it, and then use and implement it. Otherwise, what could happen is you do a course and after a month, you forget everything about it and you, it just, you know, fades away. So right now in my life, I'm, I'm using content almost as a pay as you go thing where I'm using it while I'm actually, I have a problem. What, what do you, what do you say about that? I think that's the right way for something like digital marketing, which is so practical. Um, I, I, one of the things that I felt about my, my master's degree is that a lot of it was theoretical. Um, it was about, you know, theories behind marketing rather than kind of practical. And I think you need both, but I think digital marketing, you can be a very good digital marketer, um, by kind of understanding what marketing is about, but also knowing how to, to go about that. You know, it's, it's one thing, say, for example, um, because obviously I've been involved in SEO in the past and kind of still help my clients with that to this day, talking about that and saying something like, well, what you need to do is create good content on the one hand based on keyword research. And then you can obviously go on off on tangents for hours there. And on the other hand, you need to build a certain amount of links from authority sites within your industry to this page, this page, and this page. Okay. That's, that's in theory, SEO in a nutshell in 30 seconds. But what good has that done you? Like you don't then know how to go about the keyword research. You don't know how to do that customer research to understand that. You don't know how to create these great articles. You don't know how to build those links. You don't know how to do guest posts. You don't know any of that. So I think there's definitely room in the market and I will tell you about a solution that's coming out soon. Um, but I think 
there's people that like to learn for that just because they enjoy learning. And I definitely put myself in that category. I just enjoy <laughs> being curious about things and, and diving in and learning stuff that I didn't know. But I, I'm, I'm the same as you, Asim. I balance that with what do I need to know now? Yeah. Um, um, but there's a, there's a solution that's currently being crowdfunded at the moment um, called, Adept, yeah. called Adeft. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, you sign up for it? I have, yeah. I'm uh, one of the founding <laughs> members of that because I, I want to see that solution out in the world because yeah, the I have playbook. felt like the solutions out there so much have fallen into the trap that you were talking about in that like they're not immediately usable or they're that they're too big or there's too much information or they're just not focused enough on the practical sense whereas you know great to to know things about how the world works and how digital marketing works but a lot of people just want to like focus on one task at a time find out how to do that task complete that task and move on um so yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah, just to kind of give you some background, Chris, uh, this is a new product Pepli has created, where he's going to share playbooks from in like from the top marketers um, of the world, where they create playbooks which are easy to digest, and you can learn about a topic very quickly rather than you know doing a course. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I I've seen about it. I, I get I get these emails as well. <laughs> Yeah, but you 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 would not sign up. <laughs> I mean, this I is where the junkie. That's where the difference is because uh, I'll adapt things when when they are te tried and tested, <laughs> and Wasim and probably you as well, Nestle, you jump on it because you're, as you said, very curious. I'm curious too, but you know, I think, yeah, I think you you're probably the the early adopters. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just got a track record of of performing though. So like CXL. Uh, he created that on, on the back of his like CXL agency um, because it's like his CRO agency. And then he was teaching people how to do it. And then he built out into digital marketing. Every course I've taken there has been like incredibly high quality. Then with copy testing, he built that because there was a real need for it. And I've heard good things about it so far, but I haven't, haven't used it myself because I haven't needed to for any projects. Um, so yeah, my, He's, he's, he's won my trust and for like a low cost, mm. I'm willing to yeah. be an early We need to get adopter. him on the show. Yes, exactly. Best of luck. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to pull some strings. <laughs> so do you have any, um, any other um, book recommendations for copywriting? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's lots of um, books out there, like copywriting books. What I would just say is Google something like top 10 copywriting books, because there's so many out there that like, I've, I've really got nothing new to say about it in terms of where I think, um, copywriters and marketers and stuff could benefit is by reading stuff that has nothing to do with copywriting and nothing to do with, with marketing. Um, a lot of it is about creativity. It's about getting good stuff in your brain, good quality stuff. So you can put good quality stuff out. Um, and if you're spending your whole life going through Twitter, going through Instagram and reading those sort of articles and, and kind of mini pieces of content there, you're just not going to have that library of, of knowledge. Um, one of the things that I probably do more than, more than most 
I would say is, is read. Um, so the first two hours of my day, so I get up about seven, I don't start work until about nine, half nine. Um, it is involved with uh, 20 minutes of yoga and as much time as I can fit in or before I get bored with reading. Um, whether that's on my Kindle or books or whatever. So at the moment, I'm really enjoying um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's new book. Um, that's, that's just come out recently. And that's a list of just like um, his skits that he's done. And yeah. it's, he's such a creative guy. He's obviously um, a, a writer and a comedian. Um, and to see how his brain works, how he makes connections between quite disparate topics and ties them all together to, to be funny. Um, and, and humor is something that I pride myself on in, in inserting with certain clients. With certain clients, it's not applicable. Um, they, they prefer kind of a pre professional. So I was writing a, a, a financial website last week. Um, they do not enjoy <laughs> being humorous with their, their copy. Um, so for example, that you can still write it in an engaging way that is easy for people to understand because like financial um, and also heavy manufacturing and engineering, those sort of companies are pretty guilty about thinking, okay, we work in this industry. Our copy has to be quite dry. <laughs> it has to be boring. Or, or yeah, or or full of like um, terminology and jargon. Um, whereas like with, when I work with founder led companies, I get far more scope to kind of push the boat out there. Um, and a, a lot of the light, like sometimes I, I kind of push it a bit further just to see where the client is comfortable with. And sometimes they need to be talked into that. And sometimes that's a process of, they say that, on a personal level, but they don't yet say it in their marketing. And sometimes it's a mindset step for them to almost step into that and, and to kind of own that language. And that's kind of whole another subject, but to, to get back to your original question, Christopher, like just reading a lot of different things. So like I read, um, what have I read recently? I've, that Seinfeld book and uh, Calypso by David Sedaris um, uh, the black count. Um, so all of these different things, they don't need to be contrary to what we were talking about with Wasim a second ago with having digital marketing knowledge ready to be there and used in that moment on the task. Yeah. I would approach reading entirely the opposite way. Like I never know when the stuff I read, and I'm talking about a personal level, not the digital marketing stuff that I read, that's a separate thing. You never know when that stuff is going to be used or if it will be used. You know, it's very yeah. much a, a question of reading as much high quality material as you can. Um, and not all of it needs to be high quality. You can just read stuff because you enjoy it. Like that's not a problem at all. But for me, I like to mix in like the, the more serious things. So um, something that I've read time and time again is like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, mm. um, kind of just, a, I suppose, a founding father of, of Stoicism. Um, in terms of other resources, like I, I listen to the Let's Know Things podcast a lot. Um, I listen to The Portal by Eric Weinstein. And you kind of get all of these different 
um, people approaching different topics at different angles. And it makes, it makes your mind more interesting. Yeah, it's like having a balanced diet. So for, for example, you eat like you eat fats, you eat carbs, you eat proteins, you mix it up. Obviously, if you just eat fats, um, you know what happens. <laughs> I wouldn't point all any fingers on at me, but uh, the similar thing would be you've seen these ads everywhere. The, um, the ads from Outbrain, they usually have like somebody took the airwax out or uh, there's national insurance. Are you between this and this? <laughs> Yeah, and then grandma found this closet and it wasn't open until now. So that's the spam which is out there. Mm -hmm. But from a, a copywriting perspective, and I'm talking about um, looking at what goes on in the industry, even those can be useful, you know, yeah, because they, they work. There's yeah. a reason that they, they are used. Um, they're, they're often quite... Uh, a case of bait and switch in terms of you're reading something and then that's nothing about it. And they're entirely junk in, in my opinion, but they do, they do work. The people that write those things and there are people that literally will just write those. And there's like um, the platforms you mentioned outbrain, there's Taboola and other Taboola. things like that. That was very popular. Um, the, the reason that they work is curiosity. You know, and as a copywriter, that's it's great to understand those sort of things. It's it's great to look at what's going on and think about why are people using that. Taking a step back, not just being a, a, a consumer of it, but being an analyst and saying, okay, what have they done there um, that's made me curious or makes other people curious to click on that, like. What's the language that they're using? Have they given you a lot of these times, the tricks that they use is giving you only part of the story. Um, and that's something that you can use, for example, on, um, on your own ads is giving people part of the story and making them curious to, to click, to, to find out more. Hopefully then you won't do a bait and switch and you'll actually have something valuable to, to give them, but yeah, match the promise. Yeah, I mean, I really liked your point with uh, also reducing time spent, for example, on so social media, because um, everything you feed your mind with somehow is, is goes inside you in some way. Um, and for example, I can share like I get my best ideas just when I just take um, when I reflect or take a break from things in terms of also, for example, being in a different location. For example, being, let's say, in, on holiday or just a different location. I can be there for business, but that's where I get the best ideas from. And I think uh, that resonated with me. Um, yeah. Um, what would you say is next for you? Like uh, more exciting client projects, um, new things you learn? Yeah. So uh, it's been a super busy time for me the last the last couple of months. Um, we've moved house. We've moved country. we until recently lived uh, with my wife we moved we moved back from the uk but we've been in valencia spain for the last three years um and so that's been quite a, a busy time um i'm from like a business level um i've started a podcast of my own um i'm a little bit behind you guys um my first episodes my first three episodes came out this week um this week just passed uh, it's called the working from home podcast it's basically for people like myself, so freelancers, online business owners, remote workers, 
people in non-traditional jobs, anybody that's kind of working from home to become kind of happier and better at what they're doing. So we have two types of people. We have um, the first audience of people like myself, just who are working from home themselves, who have really interesting stories to discuss how they got there, um, what they like about it, things that they, they need to change and, and what life's going to hold for them. And the other type of people are experts in a particular subject who come on to help the first group of people live that happier and better life. So that's everyone from a nutrition and exercise expert, mindfulness and meditation, productivity, how to manage remote working teams, um, anything basically that can, can help those people. So that's the working from home podcast. That's kind of what I've been working on um, for now. The other thing that I'm going to be opening up soon is a community for people like me as well. Um, based on kind of the podcast and what I've been hearing back from people. Um, part of being a freelancer is, is kind of learning how to work on your own. It's learning how to be self-motivated and disciplined. It's learning how to connect with other people when you work <laughs> in an environment where you don't have 40, 50 other people kind of milling around you and easily networking um and then it's about the work side as well that's about actually if you're a freelancer how do you get better at the big things and the small things how do you improve your mindset in terms of your confidence how do you learn how to cold pitch clients how do you actually upsell those clients and increase your revenue how do you get those clients coming back for more you know how do you present your services um how do you do the, the small things like learn, learning how to invoice people and um, get the right contracts in place? And that's one of the things where I feel like I can be of more, valuable to, uh, more value to people because I've been through all of that, you know? Like, and I'm trying to create the resource that I wish was about when I was first starting on this, the journey, basically. I'm trying to get people to skip ahead a year or two years in terms of, in terms of their growth. Very cool. Yeah. Great. Um, Vaseem, do you have any more questions? I think, yeah, I have so many, but I think we are limited with time now, Yeah. but it's been, yeah, so exciting speaking with Nelson. Now I'm pretty sure we'll connect again. Um, there's a lot, many things which we have in common. Um, and I'm really looking forward to like listening to your podcast and also um, looking forward to seeing your stuff thank you very much guys i appreciate it yeah yeah thanks so much nelson and we're going to link up your site below and probably surely also your podcast and whatever um we can whatever more value we can we can share and provide so yeah and really enjoyed the chat as well and a lot of new things i think that i didn't think of at all like for example just different types of content to read and consume or to analyze as you said i think so a lot of things to implement so thanks very much no problem at all. And just to say, if uh, from from the client side, if anybody's interested in copywriting projects, they can connect with me on nelson-jordan.com. Um, if they're interested um, in kind of learning more about the community, and then the same website, nelson-jordan.com, and also the uh, the podcast Working From Home with Nelson Jordan uh, is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen. So. Good. Okay. 
Good, thanks. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thank you.